So what we're talking about today, and the title is, What Are You Thinking? You could say it a different way. You could say, uh, What Are You Thinking About? Or, What in the World Are You Thinking? (laughs) Or, What in the World Were You Thinking When You Did That? You know, it's a a mystery to see uh, or to try to understand what a person is thinking. Like this little slide we have here. This next slide. What are you thinking? Hmm. You know, my wife asks me sometimes, what are you thinking? And you know what most husbands say? Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) But that can't be true. Studies show that we think about 50,000 thoughts per day. Can you imagine? That's a lot. That's like 52 per hour. Your, your mind is always thinking. And what the surprising thing is that they say a lot of them are repetitive thoughts. You just keep going over the same thing over and over and over again. And that's why David said, I meditated, I mused, you know, in the, sh- in the sheepfold. I, I thought about you, Lord, when I think about uh, how you've considered us. So David thought about the Lord. And the other thing they said, the st- study showed, is not only are a lot of our thoughts repetitive, a lot of our thoughts are negative. Not, not, not this crowd right here, because this is a good crowd. But <laughs> the other people, you know, have negative thoughts. They think about things, you know, in negative ways. So as a Christian, we shouldn't think that way. Praise the Lord. So uh, it's interesting to see how people are thinking. Let's look at this next slide. Now, what is he thinking about? I don't know. This guy could be thinking about nothing because it doesn't look like he's coming up to any conclusion at all. Now, if you're at work and you see somebody like this, in my job, they'd say, you know, you better get busy. You better do something, okay? You're daydreaming. Let's look at this other slide. This guy now, he, he really is pondering something, isn't he? I, I hope he comes up with it. It doesn't look like he's going to come up with anything good, does it? <laughs> Looks like this man is lost. (laughs) Because you know what? What we think is what has been presented to us, the culture that we grow up in, things that we put into our mind. That's what we think about. We don't just pull thoughts off, you know, random. It's something that you saw, something that you heard, something someone told you, something that you listened to on the radio. So your thoughts are just a byproduct of what you've put on the inside of you. So if if you're not thinking right, You better check on where your source is from. You know, uh, the other day I had a dream. Not a good dream, not a bad dream, just a dream. And because I had watched the movie The Apostle Paul. Have you seen that movie? Where they talked about the persecution that the Christians were going through. And then right after that I was watching on TV the the kids that were in that Thai cave that escaped. You know, that there's 12 and, and a coach. So I'm going, I just go to bed, just minding my own business, and I'm dreaming that I'm like in Rome, you know, being persecuted, running through the caves and trying to find out ways to get out of, you know, the, the, the martyrdom that they're going through. And I was like, I was sweating, oh my gosh. Then, then right after that, I, I'm in the water trying to get through the cave, trying to get to safety, you know, with, you can't see and you got the rope. And I, what? I woke up and I went, oh my God, I think, God, that was a dream. <laughs> Where did that come from? I was watching it on TV. It got into me. So you have to be careful. What you're thinking is actually going to be what comes out. Here's some more people that are thinking. Hmm. 
Interesting. Wouldn't you like to know what she's thinking? Now, the Bible says God knows what you're thinking. Did you know that? You can't hide it from him. In fact, Jesus would often say to him, why do you think evil in your hearts? Why is it that you're reasoning in your hearts about a certain thing? Don't you think that he knows our thoughts now? That's why he said when you lust after a woman, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart because you've been thinking about it. Selah. Okay. <laughs> For all you men out there. Okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> so you... God gets in your thought life. And the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. If what you're thinking is going to produce what's going to happen in your life, the Bible says, what guards your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. How important it is to have your mind right. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. He wants to use our imagination to imagine things that he wants to do for us, and then he can fulfill it. As a man thinketh, so is he. Let's look at this guy here. I don't think he's going to come up with anything either. He's got his notepad out there, but he's not writing anything. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, my wife says, well, what'd you do today? Uh, let me think. <laughs> what did I do today? <laughs> How productive was I today? Or was I just dreaming. Amen? We have to be productive in our thinking and in our doing. Praise the Lord. Amen. So one of the factors is the environment that we live in, how we are attracted to certain types of things. And advertisers are, are so aware of this that they just bombard us with ads constantly. Did you know that? Have, if you watch TV for any length of time, you see the same commercial how often? Over and over and over again, right? Now, they do that so it gets into our thinking and subconsciously gets into our heart, and then we want an In-N-Out burger, or <laughs> we want to do whatever they ask us to do. And I used to work for One A Day Vitamins, and it is true, whenever they had an ad campaign, a TV campaign or whatever, sales went up, and we couldn't understand it. It's the same commercial over and over again, and they're not really straight, you know, uh, arm-wrenching you, but, they, but people go and they buy because it's subconsciously. Oh, yeah, I need some one-a-day vitamins. So they try to infect our brains. Now, so much, to so, that, so much so that it's in your brain and in your mind right now. So let's do a little reminiscent here, and let's see if you can remember these taglines and these little jingles. You ready? Mmm, good, mmm, good. That's what is mmm, good. In the 1930s, that was put on uh, advertising. 1930. We weren't, most of us weren't even born yet, except maybe, no. Most of us weren't born yet, okay. Here you go. Double your pleasure, double your fun. Wrigley's Double Mint Gum. 1959. Here's a good one. I, I used to just like this one. Melts in your mouth, not in your hand. M&M's, right. And this company I used to work with, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Anybody remember that one? Not Pepto-Bismol. They, they failed. Alka-Seltzer. Here, yes. Here's one. Let your fingers do the walking through the... 
you know, there is no more yellow pages. <laughs> right? Let your fingers do the walking through your iPad. 1964, that was. Okay, here's one. You're in good hands with... Please don't squeeze the... They have done a good job on us, haven't they? When you go through the store, my son says, Dad, get Charmin, Charmin only. Don't get none of that other stuff. Charmin only. Here's one I know my wife will know. Fly the friendly skies of United Airlines. Amen. Okay, very good. You guys, okay, we're almost done. Never leave home without it. American Express, very good. We've translated that to Jesus, never leave home without him, right? Be all that you can be in the Army. Not the Navy, not the Marines, the Army. Just do it. Nike. Bet you can't eat just one. Lay's potato chips, right. Okay, how about the breakfast of champions? Wheaties. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. No, not Kool-Aid. <laughs> Alka-Seltzer, very good. Okay, here's the last one in this, in this reminiscent. Where's the beef? It's true about In-N-Out, but that's not the commercial. It's Wendy's, where's the beef, okay? So these are in our brains and our minds. It's been 40 years since they've advertised it, but somehow they got stuck in our brain. We have to get certain things stuck in our brain that God is for us and not against us. Whatever we do, whatever we put our hands to will prosper. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. These are things that we have to have just pop out and control our thinking. When things don't look right, we have to say, all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Amen? Amen. I don't care what it looks like. I got a jingle. I got a slogan. I got a promise in the Lord. Amen? That through him, I can do all things. Praise God. Okay, here's, here's some uh, other, here's some uh, music uh, songs, okay? Nothing you can do because I'm stuck like glue to my guy. my guy. Very good. Oh, Steve, you can't answer these. He, he, he knows them all. And he even knows what year. What year was that? Okay. <laughs> Come on, baby. Let's do the twist. Let's twist again, like we did last summer. That, that's kind of a silly dance, isn't it, when you think about it? No? No? Chubby Checker, yes, of course. Okay, here's a lady breaking up with her boyfriend. She said, one less blank to egg to fry. Okay, here we go. These... <laughs> These boots are made for walking, and that's just what I'm going to do. One of these days, these boots are. Now, how in the world can you remember that? And you can't remember Ephesians 3.17. What, what is the story with this crowd here? She, my niece. <laughs> All right, here's the last one by the Beatles. We all live in a... That was like in the 60s, over 50 years ago. 
So do you see we need some straightening up to get our thinking right? Amen. Amen. Because sometimes I'll be walking along, and then all of a sudden a song will come into my mind. Like if I've been away from home a little bit, and I'm coming back home. You know what song comes in my mind? No, not that. <laughs> uh, I, the one I, I sing, and Raul, you might know this one. Um, Six days on the road, and I'm going to make it home tonight. You remember that song? Is it? Well, I do, okay? <laughs> okay, well, you know, when I had a hard day, I sing a Beatles song. It's been a hard day's night, and I've been working like a dog. Not really, but I sing that song. <laughs> so whatever is in there comes out. Amen? Uh, there was this baseball pitcher who... Uh, went to the World Series, and so he was in the bullpen. He never pitched in the World Series before, so they called him in as a relief pitcher, and as he was coming in to pitch, he said a song came in his mind and in his heart, and he was singing the song, and he was wondering, why, why am I singing this song? And so after he pitched, he asked his mom, Mom, why was I singing that song? He said, is that the song your dad used to sing to you when you were young, when you were in the crib, and when you were a little boy? So he was grabbing whole onto something that was locked on the inside of him for confidence and security and, and as an anchor. So we have to have something anchored on the inside of us so that when we think about things, we're thinking the right things. We're thinking godly things. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay. All right. So uh, that's enough fun for right now. <laughs> let's look at some scriptures and then we'll get back to something. Okay. All right. So let's see the next slide. It says, it says, <laughs> For as a man thinks, and woman thinks in his heart, so is he. What are you thinking about? Because whatever you're thinking about, that's what you're going to be. The next slide says, Luke, Luke 6, 45. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. So you know what? Your mouth will betray you. You may look all sweet and nice and everything, but when you start talking, all of a sudden people go like, ooh, <laughs> what is that, you know? I know we had this one lady, one little girl, she's like 12 or 13 in children's church, and she never talked, she never spoke, she just came and sat on the end of the aisle, and she was like a silent person, you know, like a silent movie. And I wondered, I wonder, I need to know what she's thinking. It was about like six months. So finally, I went up to her and I said, you know, how are you doing? Tell me about yourself. And she went on and on and on about all the complaints she had about her parents and her siblings and her school. And I said, okay, just sit right there. That's all right. You just, just take it all in, you know. So the, the Bible says that if you keep your mouth shut, nobody will know what's on the inside of you. They won't know that you're a fool, but when you open it up, everybody knows. So, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. All you have to do is listen to yourself talk, and you know what's on the inside of you. Praise the Lord. And a lot of times we betray what we're praying. We pray, oh God, I thank you for your provision. I thank you, Lord God, that we have more than enough. I thank you, Lord, Lord you, you do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. And then people ask you, how are you doing? Oh, miserable. Things are not going right. Just seems like God's not working. Seems like I can't pay my bills. I'm in debt. Things are not going good for me. 
you, you, you negate it, right? So out of your heart flows the issues of life. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we have to take control over our minds. Did you know that? You, you have to tell your mind what to think. And where does it originate from? I, I maintain that it's from your heart. Your, when you give your heart to the Lord, your mind will catch up with it. Like when I first got saved, the Bible says you're not supposed to you know, be with other, the opposite sex in a, un, in a compromising way. Well, I didn't see how that could be. What, what's the problem with that? And then when I got saved, the person, I said, well, that, this is the one stumbling block that I have. Is why do I have to do that? And he, he said, well, I said, is it in the Bible? They go, yeah, let me show you. <laughs> it says flee fornication right here. Ouch. <laughs> uh, is this the religion I want to really go into? <laughs> but when the Lord touched my heart, then I said, I want to do those things that are pleasing to the Lord. My heart changed. Then my mind changed. Then I had to figure out how in the world can I do this? How can I love people? How could I go through this life and, and deprive myself of a natural thing that I always thought was natural, but it's not. It's, it's unnatural in the spiritual realm. So you have to take control over what you're thinking. So in Romans 12:1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren and sisterin, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies, that's what I had to do, I present my bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And the next scripture says, and, 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 <laughs> do not be conformed to this world. What does that mean? Don't be a cookie cutter. You know, you hear on TV all the time, everybody's having babies and everybody's, you know, dating people and they're not you know, living the, the right kind of life, and you're going, well, I guess it's okay. No, don't be conformed to this world. But what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind has to change, re be renewed by the things of God, and said, I am going to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God in my life. If no one else does it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go before God and say, God, I'm holy before you. I want to please you. I want to love you. Lord, forgive me my past mistakes. Let's move on from this day forth. Help me. Praise the Lord. Help me help you. Praise God. So we, 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 we have a mind that has to be in control. And a lot of times, uh, our mind will betray us. And, and like I said, God knows our mind. And wouldn't it be interesting if... While we're sitting here, God put up on the screen all the things that we were thinking during the week. Anybody game for that? No. We'd be in trouble. We'd be like, Marietta, I am surprised. <laughs> A good girl like you thinking those kinds of things. My Lord. So I'm going to do a little sample here with, with uh, Pastor Charlie. And... Uh, he can help me with this. Now, this is just a skit, okay? This is not... Let's go up here, Charlie. You'll be up there. This is just a skit, okay? Don't take it personally, okay? <laughs> so, Pastor Charlie, I want to thank you for all that you do around the church. You take care of the facility. You care for the people of New Heart. You're just a blessing to us, and we thank you for it. I appreciate you, Pastor Charlie. Well, thank you, Pastor Chuck. It's my pleasure to serve you and the people of New Heart. 
Actually, I have to do it because I'm covering for everybody else that's not doing their job. Did I did I hear did I hear something? Did you no? You didn't hear anything? Okay. Well, Pastor Charlie, I, I want to commend you and Jeannie for having such a beautiful attitude when you come to church. It's so good to see a godly couple come in and just have the joy of the Lord. Well, thank you, Pastor Chuck. Uh, I'm glad you noticed, and uh, we we attempt to live a godly life. Good. Except for this morning. I didn't think we were going to make it because Jeannie thought it would be more important to water the plants because of the heat wave instead of being to church on time. I told her I'm too old to be having high blood pressure at my age. I, I, feel, I feel something in the air. I don't know what it is. The, there's the interference, the way that, I don't know what's happening. But anyway, Charlie, <laughs> I want to I wanna thank you. Oh, I know. I, I want to thank you for being so faithful to the Bible studies. You've just been excellent in your attendance and you're coming in and you're so uh, supportive of, of Jaquise when she was here. I, I really appreciate that. Well, you're welcome. It, it was very enlightening and uh, to see how God works through us through faith, you know. And I really took a lot of notes, too. Actually, I wasn't really taking notes. I was just doodling on a scratch paper and drawing as I was taking notes. I didn't want to look bad. Well, Charlie, it's been good talking with you. It's good to have an honest, you know, forthright, open person that I can relate to. Thank you so much for all that you do, Charlie. You're very welcome. Okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> So how many of us do that? We talk real nice to people's faces, and then when they go, they go, I don't know what's wrong with that person. Did you see what they're wearing? What, 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 what came over them? What, I was trying to tell them something, and they just didn't understand, and they just didn't, I don't know. How, how do they live? We're not supposed to be that way, are we? I, I hope not. Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, so if we are being truthful to ourselves and to each other, we have to manage our thought life because our thought life can take hold of us and make us and take us places that we don't want to go and it keeps us longer there than we want to stay. We can get stuck on something that may not even be true. You may think somebody said something about you, but it wasn't even them that said it. It was somebody that told you about something that they thought that someone else said, but it's not true. So you wind up having egg on your face, holding a grudge against somebody, and they didn't even say it. I, I had a friend who told me, you know, there's about five people in this department that don't like you when I was working at my former job. And I said, well, who, what are their names? He goes, I can't tell you. I don't want to start anything up. I go, start anything up? What are you talking about? You just started it up with me. Now, this is supposed to be my friend. I've had lunch with him for probably every day for six years. And I said, well, did you defend me? He said, no, that's up to you. I go, what do you mean up to me? <laughs> I said, are, were they Christians? He goes, yeah, some of them were. Well, then they're not acting Christian because the Bible says you're supposed to love one another. 
So I purposed in my heart, because I was going to retire in about a year, I said, I purposed in my heart. I'm going to reach out, go across the aisle, walk across the room, and reach out and touch these people and make a difference and win them over. Can I say amen? Amen. So I did. I, I listened to their talk. I listened to what they were concerned about. I, I, I took you know, heed to what they were saying, and, and I became a friend to them. So after one year's time, when I went to leave, they threw me a big party. They actually gave me a standing ovation when I walked into the department on my last day. Then they gave me a standing ovation. This is 65 people. Uh, it never been done before, never will be done again. Why? Because I operated in the word of God, in the love of God. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just saying this thing's work. So, so as I left, they gave me a standing ovation. I was, I was probably turning red because I didn't do anything other than just do what God had told me to do, to love one another. Praise the Lord. So, so the Bible says our, thought, our thoughts can go awry and we can get stuck on things. So let me show you this. Uh, next slide, okay. For our weapons, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds. You know what a stronghold is? It's holding you strongly. You can't shake it. You can't get rid of it. You're stuck on it. You think about it all day and all night. Casting down imaginations. You know what imagination is, right? You're dreaming up things that haven't even happened. You're just imagining, oh, this thing. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, this is a formula. This is a uh, a progression that the Lord is showing us in the Bible, but it's in reverse order. Okay? Let me look at it, okay? It starts with bringing every thought into captivity. And then casting down imaginations, and then you can pull down strongholds. Not in the natural, not in the carnal, but in the spiritual. So let me show you how this thing works. (laughs) First you get a thought. I don't think I like that person. They seem kind of smug and kind of stuck up. She certainly isn't going out of her way to talk to me. She's just happy talking to other people. She probably doesn't even like me. You're not, to, you're not bringing your, your thoughts into captivity, right? You might say, uh, we don't have anything in common anyway. We are supposed to love one another, not, not put people aside, right? Then you get an imagination. I don't think she's talking about, I, I think she's talking about me behind my back. I see her laughing with all my colleagues and looking over here. I know they're talking about me. They went to lunch without me, and I can only imagine what they're talking about. They're talking about me and all the things that I do wrong, the fact that I'm a Christian and I'm all stuck in the mud and all that kind of stuff. And how many of you know that song? You're so vain, you probably think this song is about you. (laughs) They're not talking about you, but your imagination is running wild and you're thinking all these crazy thoughts that probably didn't even happen. It all started with a bad thought. Then it turns into a stronghold. That's the third stage. You can't get it out of your mind how distrustful and disgusting this person is to come into your territory at work and cause all these people to be against you. And if you get a chance, you're going to sabotage one of her projects. And I don't even know if I can last that long. I might have to quit my job. I can't stand to be in here, in the same room with her. And nobody has said a word to you. Why? Your imagination has turned into a stronghold. 
And now you can't get that out of your mind. Amen? So the Bible says our weapons are not carnal, but mighty to God through the pulling down of strongholds. So you have to get in the spirit. Pray a little bit. Put a smile on your face. Go right up to them and tell them, ladies, you look wonderful today. You know, I brought some cupcakes for you guys to enjoy. They're holiday cupcakes. I think you really enjoy them. Check it out. Do you think that's going to bridge the gap a little bit and cause things to happen, you know, for your good? That God's going to work on their hearts? Praise the Lord. Okay, so finally, I'm going to show you a scripture here. Let's uh, go to Luke 7, verse 36 and 37. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to explain it a little bit. Okay? All right. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, asking Jesus to eat. His name was Simon. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner... When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Next scripture. And stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Next. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, they, he spoke to himself. Spoke to himself. He just thought. This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a what? Sinner. We're not sinners, are we sinners? <laughs> we used to be sinners. Sinner is a description of what your lifestyle is. We, we commit sin, but we're not sinners. We're saved by grace. We're adopted into the family. Would, uh, she's a sinner, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Says it again. Okay, let's look at this. Let's go back to the beginning, Luke, 6, Luke, Luke 7, verse 36. Now, this woman crashed a party, didn't she? A, a dinner party. She comes in. Now, this is a holy assembly of these Pharisees, and they want to talk to Jesus, have a nice, intelligent conversation. Just find out where this guy's coming from, right? So they have everything all set up. And the way they did it in those days, when you, it says sat, but it means recline. They don't sit in chairs. They reclined on a, like a beanbag thing, and they would eat like with one finger. That's pretty lazy, isn't it? <laughs> but, and their feet would be kind of back back behind him. So this woman comes behind him and is crying so much to so that her tears are flooding her face and they're falling on the feet of Jesus. I don't know about you, but have you ever cried that hard? I, I got a yes? Oh, wow. Okay, you guys got passion. I just do little teardrops, little things like this. You know. Ooh. Are you crying? No, no. <laughs> Because men are more reserved. Charlie, you don't cry like that. Do you cry like that? Yeah, okay, well, praise God. Okay, maybe I'm just one of those not-so-good people. Okay, anyway. <laughs> so it's a little odd, it's a little awkward to see this woman give herself over to Jesus. Wouldn't you say? It's a little, you know, incongruent. Here they are, you know, the elite, and here this woman's coming in, and she's crying profusely. She's wiping Jesus' feet. And then she's uh, kissing his feet, which is your feet are the dirtiest part of your body. I don't know if you know that. And, and, and then she's anointing him with oil. 
And you got to wonder, what in the world was this girl thinking? Why weren't the other people at the table doing the same thing? Here is Jesus, the Savior of the whole world, and she recognizes that, that she needs a Savior. She's not saying a word. All she's doing is a devotion, an adoration. Uh, She's trying to give herself over to the Lord in the best way that she can. She can't even defend herself. She can't even have anything to say that would justify for her to be forgiven. Do you feel that way sometimes? You know how much uh, effort that it takes or how much uh, percentage of your effort it takes to get saved? Zero percent. There's nothing that you can do to get and earn the gift of salvation from God. She knew that. She threw herself at the feet of Jesus and said, nothing. She said, I'm just here. I, I worship you. Praise the Lord. So we have to wonder, why is this happening? Why is this radical behavior of this woman so thought-provoking? When have you ever had that kind of emotion with the Lord? When have you ever had that kind of passion where you appreciate the Lord so much that you can't control yourself? You just want to give yourself to Him. And when you do that, you're going to see the glory of the Lord manifest in your life. So the Pharisees, next slide, the Pharisees, uh, I guess one more, said, If this man was a prophet, he would know what manner of woman this is who is touching him. And so Jesus answered him. It's not in the script there. But he said, listen, when I came in, you offered me no water for my feet. But this woman has never ceased to cleanse my feet with with her tears. You gave me no kiss of greeting, but this woman has continually been kissing my feet. You never anointed me with oil when I came in, but this woman has given all that she had, a year's wages, to anoint my feet. And this, what this woman has said or done, when it's spoken in all the Gospels, it'll be for generations to come. What did she know that these Pharisees didn't know? And does it provoke us to want to give more attention to what Jesus has done and to appreciate him more? We're we're never going to be able to appreciate him as much as we can in this life. It has to carry over to eternity when we just say, blessed is the Lamb of God who who, who saved us as sinners. Praise God. So we have to learn more about what he is and what kind of person he is. So my question is, are we making Jesus big enough in our life? Are we appreciating him? I'm going to leave you with three things that can help your daily activity to appreciate the things of the Lord. The first, these three are be desperate, be intimate, and worship him. And we can see that with her because what was the first thing she did? She was desperate. She knew she had many sins. Jesus said, you have many sins, but they all are forgiven. We have to be desperate to go to the Lord. No, Lord, I'm not worthy, but you have made me worthy. And so some of us think, well, you know, we've gotten to a certain point now where we don't have to be desperate. But we have to be desperate just for his presence to manifest in our life, to overcome the things that we're facing in life. We can't be Cadillac, relaxed, uh, you know, nonchalant about things and just say, okay, God, I know you got it, I'm going to take care of it. No, he wants us to be desperate to get more things and to receive more of him that we have already. Are you happy? Are you complacent with what you have? Or do you want more of him? And I can tell you, even in my own life, when I get desperate and I call out, God, I need you, God, I need you to act in this uh, situation. I need you to move your hands in my behalf. He comes through. Because he responds to desperateness. Praise the Lord. Intimacy. She was uh, kissing his feet. That's pretty intimate, isn't it? I've never, I don't think I've ever kissed your feet. Maybe, 
She has beautiful feet, but I don't think I've got... I think I have one time, yeah. I really didn't get that much out of it, to be honest with <laughs> you. Intimacy means that you want to share things about your life to someone else. You want them to speak things that they want to speak to you in your life. It's an exchange. You're being intimate. You open up your heart and your feelings to the Lord. You're sensitive to Him. And you develop a relationship and a fellowship with Him. And that's what she was doing. And the last thing was worship. She anointed Him with oil. And she began to worship Him. And so that's what we have to do in our life. And I've done that in my living room all the time. I would get, cry out to the Lord, Lord, I need your presence. I need you in my life. I need, your, I need you to show up. I want to know you and the glory that comes from knowing you. And, I, and so then when he comes, I'm intimate with him. I tell him what I'm concerned about, what's bothering me, the things that I need to ask him to help me with, to show me things, give me revelation in things. And he does. And then after that, you worship him. You thank, oh, God, you're so good. You're so wonderful. I'm so thankful to be, uh, you know, yours, called to be yours. And as you do that, you hold on to that. You don't leave that place and go and just go on with your daily life. You continue to hold on to that spirit, that glory that God has given you so that you can operate in the things of God. You can have answers when people want to question you or have questions. It's pretty easy. All we need to do is give ourselves to the Lord. The Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to us. Praise the Lord. So your challenge today is to take these things, take the lessons that uh, we learned from this sinful woman who crashed this party, having no regard for the social implications of what it would be. They could have just cast around and say, woman, get out of here. Right? You ever had a party and you, invited, you say, don't invite so-and-so? <laughs> Okay? But Jesus didn't do that. But Jesus didn't say anything. He said, this woman is broken and has come to me. So be broken in yourself. Know that you can't do it in yourself. Come to him in desperation, in intimacy, and worship the king. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of hearing your word and knowing what you have for us. That, Lord, you have great things planned and purposed in our lives to do. We thank you that we can do great things for you because you are dwelling in us and with us. And so, Father, we just thank you, Lord God, that we are going to be desperate to find you, to know that you are an ever-present help in time of trouble. And as we call out to you, we know that we can share things that concerns us, things that are holding us back, things that we're concerned about, Lord, that you are there for us. And we just worship you even before it happens. We thank you for it. To the glory of God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the things that Jesus did for us before he left, left, he came with his disciples and said, I am going to give you my body. I'm going to give you my blood as an act of worship so that you can come into sweet fellowship with the Father. So we're going to bless the elements now. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Who comes to me shall never hunger. Who believes in me Shall never thirst. As we see, Jesus said, Who comes to me? Hmm. That is an invitation that He is extending to everyone to come to Him.
And he says, who believes in me will never thirst. When you believe in Christ, then you receive your salvation. So he's saying to us, come to me and believe in me, and I will meet all your needs. And that's what he says, I am the bread of life. He is what we need in our life, not only our physical life, but especially in our spiritual life. So we have to give ourselves to Christ wholeheartedly with intimacy, like the pastor was saying. And he told his disciples, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Amen. Now the cup symbolizing the blood uh, was for our cleansing, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And the Bible says the blood of Jesus cleanses our consciousness or cleanses our thinking from bad thoughts. So Father, I just thank you that as we come before you and we take the bread and we take the cup symbolizing your body and your, and, and your blood, we thank you, Lord, that it cleanses us, unites us, brings us closer to you, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this side come up this way and this side come up that way and we'll take our, the elements, we'll hold them together and then we will um, uh, take them together. Praise the Lord. Yeah, let's start from the back and come up to the front. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
Well, we're acknowledging the Last Supper that Jesus uh, did with his disciples, but I'm looking forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. <laughs> when we all get to heaven, we had this long spread, and everybody's enjoying themselves, relaxing, and saying, boy, we made it. <laughs> we got through. But in the meantime, we trust in the Lord all the days of our lives. So take this bread, symbolizing the body of our Lord Jesus Christ that was given to us. Drink the cup, symbolizing the blood that was shed for us. Hallelujah. You know, I'm thinking of that song, I know it was the blood, I know it was the blood that saved me. Right? Without the blood, we can't get to heaven. Try as you might. Try as you will. But we know a secret, don't we? That it was the blood. Let's stand to our feet as we acknowledge the Lord. Our host today is Marietta, who has per prepared something. I don't know what it is. Something different than I've seen before, so it's a surprise. <laughs> so, Father, we thank you that as we come before you and leave this place, we know that you're going to go with us. You're going to travel with us, help us in all that we do. We thank you, Lord, that you increase our passion towards you, that we become desperate and intimate and worship you with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. We ask you that you bless us, people. Let your face shine upon us. Be good to us. Give us peace and give us rest all the days of our life. And we'll see you back again on Wednesday and also on Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah.